Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. My guests today are Corey Arford and Neil Tiemann, the two guitar players from the band Carnifex. Now, it's kind of cool for me to have them on because literally 10 years ago, it was about a decade ago, Carnifex was recording in my house when I used to be in Florida. I didn't produce or mix that record, but you know, I assisted with some engineering and uh, they lived with me for about a month. So it's very cool seeing them again and talking to them again and just hearing about what it takes to stay alive in this industry. It's a big deal for a band in this genre, any genre, to be on their ninth album, which, by the way, is called Necromantium and comes out October 6th. But to me, it's always fascinating to find out what it takes for a band to survive. Like, how do they do it? This is such a volatile industry. So much that can go wrong. The odds are stacked against you in so many different ways. What is it that the bands who actually make a living and stick it out, like what do they have in common versus the ones who don't? It's very, very fascinating stuff to me. All right, let's get into it. All right, Corey and Neil, welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Well, welcome back to you, Neil. Yeah. Yeah. It's only been a couple of years. And a different band. And a different band, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Corey, nice to see you again. It's been, holy shit, it's been like... Almost 10 years. Dude, Actually, about it 10 was, years. Yeah, it's 10 years, because that was 13, That's, right? 2013? Yeah, because, yeah, we were doing, it was what, late summer? Yes. Or summer, I know it was summertime. I don't know if, I don't remember if it was the middle or end. I know it was later, because since the album came out in 2014, so... Well, here we are, 10 years later. Still doing the shit. I know. For, be- <laughs> for better or for worse. So, and We're all still hanging out in studios. I know. It's like... <laughs> I wonder about that. So is that like an evolution or not? That we're all still hanging out in studios? <laughs> yes. Uh, not really. Not really. No. <laughs> There's evolution within the studio, but the no. Yeah, I guess you you want to hope that it's reflected in the music made therein, but no. Yeah, it it's something uh, it's something interesting to me that like I've I've wondered about because uh, you know like touring early on and then getting into the studio early on and then thinking to myself, all right, so this is the thing. Like here we are, did it. It doesn't, from here on, it's this same thing, just maybe nicer, maybe bigger, maybe a little more money, but like, this is it. Like, and it does, and I've noticed that it doesn't really change. Like, the same problems that, as like, you know, uh, on the producer end of it or on the artist end of it, the same problems that you have as a local band, same problems that, it goes all the way up the cha- food chain. Yeah, that's actually sure. funny because we were uh, we've been to Jason's a few times. So, but we were setting up to do guitars just a couple days or like a day before. And you know, like it was the first day of guitars we were setting up, and I was in the Jason studio, same fucking studio, everything's the same. Zukov, plug, yeah, cool. And we plug a guitar in, and I'm like five feet away from the console. I'm not really near any electronics, and I play, and then there's noise. 
and it's like this yeah. is our ninth album so many studios and then here we are yeah just like you were saying like the same problems and shit i was just like and so we're like sitting there spinning around like where can i face <laughs> so it doesn't go when i palm mute you know and it's like yeah the same shit just keeps happening there's always like new problems and little things and maybe the gear gets better and stuff but yeah you're always dealing with the same kind of shit yeah i always one of the first things that i guess i noticed um i guess when when doth got signed and we were working with colin richardson that was like my first time you know seeing seeing someone amazing and what I was realizing was, okay, the same things are happening. Like you're saying, there's noise on a track. There's dead channel. He was mixing it on a Neve. The Neve died, lost three songs <laughs> worth of recalls. Like, and so that was that. We had to just go with, there were no mixed notes possible on those three songs. Like, just problems. Like, and you, back in those days, you would think that that kind of stuff only happened to local bands at the local level. I was like, no, this happens at all levels. And I think the big difference is, how you deal with it. Like, because I've noticed also that the lower levels in my experience, people would freak out and not, and would just like consider it like this thing, this bad thing happened. We're just roll with it. Like keep it like not fix it. Like, or we're fucked. Like don't know how to get out of this situation. <laughs> yep. So you, but you yeah, guys yeah, knew to just turn the guitar. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the freak out comes from like, okay, I've I've paid attention, I've set everything up, this is all gonna go well. And then something doesn't go well and you're like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know how to fix it. And you're immediately like, Well, I have no I have no fucking clue where to start. So I'll just freak out because it's the only option. That'll fix it. <laughs> Maybe that'll fix it, yeah. yeah. Start kicking things. <laughs> Maybe if I yell at the computer enough. <laughs> yeah it, it'll I'll get it break everything and rebuild it and then it'll work are, are either you guys computer yellers computer screamers only Man, I, don't, I don't know enough about computers to scream at them i've never understood <laughs> that i just i have the, i don't know <laughs> i only scream when i'm gaming well fair enough but that's that's something that's actually taking place yeah <laughs> but i mean like I have right now, I have a specific game that causes a Windows background service to use up sixty-five percent or more of my CPU, so my FPS will tank, and all these other issues start popping up because of it. So when that happens, I will scream at my computer because I've gone through all the fixes for everything, and I can't get it to stop. And the only, the only option I have now is to reset my PC, so I unplug all my drives pull everything apart and then reset windows and then reload and reinstall everything. It's just, that makes me scream. And <laughs> by screaming at it, then suddenly it starts working. No, I just <laughs> look, I just look at it and I go, fuck you. And then, and then I continue trying to fix it. <laughs> I was, I was hoping you had like some secret to like reasoning That's with a machine. Sick. Yeah, we're hoping for a happy pull, ending to that. Pull, <laughs> pull the glass off and scream at the CPU, and then it's like, oh, yeah, sorry, dude, here, I'll work. Yeah, so, so I was just fucking with you. <laughs> just, a, just a joke. So, I, you know, I'm sure that this has been asked before, but I don't care. Um, it's interesting seeing you, Neil, in this band. Um, 
when I heard about that, I was like, hmm, it's an interesting choice. But it made a lot of sense because because um, I I know about your background with uh, writing stuff outside of the norm and outside of just uh, for whatever band you're in. And then I also know about Carnifex expanding the sound and adding orchestral elements and like, just like, you know, going beyond just the, the standard formula. Um, so then when I heard about that, I was like, Oh, okay. That's, I did not expect that, but also that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it does it. I know. I I feel like I always find myself in these scenarios where I got like at least 25 dudes being like, I should be there. Or like, what, how does that even make sense that this dude (laughs) is doing this? You know? Um, but but I feel lucky about it. It's all, it all comes from just wanting to work. I mean, just me wanting to make money playing guitar, writing songs, you know, I, I feel like when people say I should be there, that should be my gig. It's like, that's not really up for, to you. <laughs> no, it, it's not up to me either. It's a, I mean, in, in this case, it's up to it was up to Carnifex before I was in Carnifex. Yep. It wasn't even my choice. You know, it's them asking me to be along. I was already like a, a touring member. You know, one of the touring guys. They also had a, this other like rad ass guitar player named Miles, who was playing Miles a couple Dimitri? tours with him, a couple. Of, yes, oh, he's yeah, great. Yeah. He's a monster, man. Um, we were both like just part of the touring stable, you know, for them before they asked me. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't even my choice. I mean, you know, obviously I had a choice to say <laughs> yes or no, but. Well, the, the thing that I've thought about a lot and I've tried to put it out through this podcast and the other one and just in everything I do is that uh, at the end of the day, like your entire life hinges on people saying yes to you. Uh, because you can't no, nothing you your career doesn't exist in a vacuum like somebody sure. has to say yes whether it's musicians that want to play with you or a producer that's going to work with you or a label that'll sign you or at some point somewhere it's out of your control who's going to say yes whether it's yes to introduce you to that person that is going to level the thing up yes the manager who decides to take you on or like, yes, the band member that makes a huge difference that decides to join. Um, and so when I meet people who don't care about the personal relationship side of things, I'm like, man, you are fucking up because at the end of the day, this whole thing works because people say yes to you. Nothing yeah. works without yeah. that. I agree with that. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, and I'm, you're definitely missing out on, on certain very special relationships. If you're, that I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to stay in my room and do it here. Missing a lot of just fun, if any, you know, among other things. What were you about to say, I'm in, Corey? I'm, I am in a similar boat. I mean, I came before Carnifex put out like anything that we're actually like. They had the the Enclave EP, but none of those songs have been used and gotten like we don't play them. And they were, that was just an EP for just to have you know get the band name out and have music out. So. I, clearly, right after that, the idea of the music changed. But uh, I met Scott and Sean after they had played a show that I went to in San Diego. So I saw Carnifex play with the bassist that was in the band when I joined and the guitar player. So they were four-piece, and they wanted another guitar player. 
But just like you said, the whole thing hinged on Scott and Sean saying yes or no to me. You know, they invited me over to their apartment. They were like, all right, you, you write. So let's hear your riffs. Can you play this? Can you do that? If you want to be in the band, will you pitch in for merch? And then this and that. And then I said, yeah. And then they had like personal questions. And then they wanted just basically learn about me to see if we could gel and shit. And then they're like, all right, yeah. So, you know, we'll let you know right, right now you're in. And then you know, we'll do a show and see just kind of how we hang out. And then, you know, I wouldn't be here. If I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my ability to play what they wanted to hear and stuff. But still, you know, it was up to them to say, yeah, you're in or no, we don't want you. And they said, yes. So I'm here under the same circumstances as Neil. Yeah, it's those decisions are those <laughs> really? decisions are interesting because I feel like the the music side of it is just. Tell tell me if you agree, but in my opinion, that part's assumed, right? If if you're talking about like real bands and like real producers, if you're talking about like doing it for real, you're not going to talk to people who suck. Like it's not people who suck aren't <laughs> going to come into the into the orbit as a possible band member or you know session player or someone whose studio are going to go to. That's just they're not going to even be in the conversation if they don't bring it musically. So I feel like that's the, that's like the bottom, I guess the base, the baseline assumption is the music part is there. Obviously some people are better than others, but like you got to be able to deliver that. I, I feel like those decisions come from the other stuff at the end of the, at the end of the day. Cause first of all, I'm curious your opinion, but also like, I'm sure we've all seen those people who are stellar, stellar, but are impossible to get along with or are just too stupid to like have a conversation with or they smell fucking horrific or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) whatever, whatever it is. But that like the music's not enough, kind of like they say in relationships, love is not enough. Well, I mean, that's that's funny because. When I met Scott and Sean, they were both straight edge. I mean, Sean's still straight edge. He doesn't do anything. And uh, <clears throat> obviously, I was a weed smoker, and they knew that because I told them. And then it was like, all right. And Sean, like, Sean took me. We were going to the bank to get merch money, and they were like, all right, you're in. Let's do some merch stuff, and like, let's talk about future and shit. So at the point, I was kind of in before the show, but like, I was. I, I mean, they told me I don't think it was really twenty, but I was. They were like, we tried out like fifteen or twenty guitar players. Like, we could not find a dude to even play. And the shit that they were asking me to play was stuff Sean wrote as a, a budding death metal drummer and mega guitarist at the time. So I mean, it was super simple stuff, and I was able to play it, unlike whatever the other people they tried out were. But then Sean was like, "All right, you can play, you can do the stuff, but." How much weed do you smoke? And he was trying to like get a gauge on do I smoke so much that it fucks up my day and I can't yep. fucking do anything? Am right. I a shithead because of it? You know, is it like a problem in my life? And then, you know, obviously it's not. So it's just, you know, but but just to what you were saying is like you go in and then everybody's like, all right, can you play? And then they play all this stuff and then you play this stuff. Like, all right, can you play? You can play. Cool. Are you a shithead? <laughs> and it's just like that's the next question is like can we fucking deal with you or are you a fucking asshole yeah, man because that kind of stuff that's like okay so 
obviously, if there's no talent, then someone's not going to get better. But like, you know, you take someone who has talent, who maybe their skill isn't 100% there, but you see that like with some work, they can get there, but their personality is great. Like head is in the right space. Like they think about the right things, like all that stuff. That person is going to get the gig before someone else who might be like the most mind-blowing musician you've ever seen, but who is like impossible to have a conversation with, makes everybody else feel weird, um, has like just habits that don't, you know, don't jive with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's always going to be the case, I think. Yeah, it's uh, the weed thing. That's a that's an interesting one too, because like, um, I think that straight edge and non straight edge can coexist. Oh yeah, but we've been, all been, known been doing those, it the whole time. Yeah, exactly. It's possible, but we all know some of those weed smokers that um, it's a real problem with where it kind of gets in the way of literally every single thing. Yeah. Yeah, some people smoke and they slow way down. Yeah. It, and like they're already slow to begin with because a lot of music stuff and strings or whatever other things are very tedious. So you kind of you sit down and get your stuff and you start working. And then if some people start getting high and then they're just like, uh, and then it takes them an hour to do what somebody could do in 20 minutes because they're fidgeting and fucking off, get distracted. <laughs> Making mistakes. Yeah, it's a... yeah. Well, I'm not against weed, by the way, and I smoked for a really, really long time. I, I stopped in 2020 just because I was paranoid because um, uh, I had a really bad respiratory illness like in 2009 and was like, I am not, not fucking tempting this shit. Like, yeah. Not, so, yeah. so I just, yeah, with like COVID going around, I was like, I had the PTSD from, uh, from swine flu. Cause that it, it, it almost killed me. So, um, Damn. So I was just like, oh. you know, I don't really need weed in my life, but, um, but like, I, I've noticed that in some cases it really does make a difference, like a good difference, um, almost to where like, there's some people who it like, uh, almost like a self-medication thing where it helps their brain work right. Or it like unlocks this thing. Yeah. That's it's, it's the truth. It's like, there are some people where their brain wiring is such that, um, that little bit of enhancement helps them do whatever it is that they're exceptional at. Whereas in some cases it makes them worse. And it's important to know who, who you are. I think. Yeah. Oh, man. Very important to know which, which column you're in. What column? Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I had a buddy that was, we would, I'd bring my, uh, his mom didn't like to buy him games and stuff. So I'd bring my N64 over to his house. We'd play retro stuff. But we'd sit in a circle and everybody's gaming. And then when you hand him the controller and he's high and you're trying to give him the fucking bowl, it's like, James, 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 James. And they find, and then he takes it, hits it, and he hands it right back to you. And you're like, dude, it's a circle. We've done this every day for years, just to the right, and it's just the same every time. Like the dude is just non-functional when he's stoned. But otherwise, when he's not stoned, he's got ideas. He's working on stuff. 
he's getting shit done. He's out fucking doing whatever. And then it's like the weed just, just melts into the couch. Where are you on that, Neil? Uh, I, I don't smoke weed. I can't do it and do anything else. So it destroys you? Kind of yeah. I, I mean, I'm, it's, I, I can't even tell you the last time that I tried just because it, I, I'll give it a try every once in a while, but I'm talking every couple of years and it's still the same. It just doesn't work for me. I definitely, I love getting high when I'm trying to write and stuff. Cause I just end up, it's easy for me to just like fall into a tunnel of thought. And like, if I, if I want to allow myself to just foof out everything else and just focus on the one thing, like, all right, I'm just going to like make something cool today. And I, I'll just, I'll just start by playing a riff and then, I'll hear something that sounds cool and I'll just start like hitting it a lot. Like, ah, oh, it sounds rad. And then it'll just kind of grow from there. But it comes from like being able to, like, I can still focus and do whatever I need to do. But like, if I want to fall down that tunnel of just letting my brain wander and come up with its stuff and do things, like, I love being able to allow that to happen. It's like almost like you are, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like, not entirely turning off the conscious part, but it's like your conscious brain takes a back seat and you get more mm-hmm. into the flow that creative flow. He's, he's like he's like the producer sitting back, yeah, and he's just watching the dude noodle off until something cool happens, and then when something cool happens, he goes, uh, dip, dip, "That was it right there. Let's work on that part." Mm-hmm. And then you go, "Oh, cool. Okay, cool." And then that, and then you just let that grow what's the writing process like for you? Like, do you, is it a conscious thing or do you go in, do you also do that thing where you put this, your conscious brain kind of to the side? Oh uh, yeah. I, I suppose there, there are echoes of what, what you're both talking about in, in my writing process, but it's, um, it's always, um, almost always comes from a, a sober point of just starting with a blank slate or it will be, I get a lot of ideas like at nighttime, like middle of the night, run into my little tracking room, get a, the base of a riff down and then just leave it and then start it tomorrow. I do that quite a lot. Um, but it's not, most of the time I don't need to have like a, sp- a specific focus. I feel like the harder I, I focus on it, the harder it is to grab. Um, what do you and, mean? Like um, say I really want this one thing to sound like Pantera, but faster. And I know it's going to be the next hit of the year and I'm going to do it today. If I put all those constraints on it, I'm never going to come up with that. Uh, now, if I, if I just, I'm, I'm still probably just never going to come up with that. It would probably be a good cap. To what I just said. But, uh, <laughs> but if I, if I come up with, uh, well, I'm just going to write today. And I did have that thing from a couple nights ago that I put on my phone or I might've been wake enough to actually track in pro tools. Um, maybe we'll just see where that goes. And uh, then I, I'm much more likely to get something that I like and something that, um, someone else is going to like, if I just see where it goes. And sometimes there, of course there are days of nothing, but I'm lucky that more often than not, I can just sit here and write. Like I, it's one of my favorite things to do, which helps. It helps that it's a, I'm always, I'm never begrudgingly walking into my tracking room. like fuck, I got to make that riff today. But, and like I said, everyone, everyone's all that I have tried that in the past. It's just been like, I can't get anything good today. 
You know what I've noticed about those writing exercises? So I feel yeah. like what you just said about the Pantera riff, but faster, and it's going to be the the hit of the year. Like yeah. setting those constraints. It that's I feel like that's like the writing equivalent of practicing scales or something like, or yeah. learning a new scale pattern or some new thing that's purely yeah. technical. Like that does help your playing, but that isn't like that isn't like the way that you're playing is going to be manifesting itself in the art, hopefully. Um, but like, still, it's still a good thing to practice guitar and get better at guitar. Um, you know, how much you do it is a personal thing, but like nothing bad ever comes from that. And I've noticed that with writing, uh, cause if you look at like traditional composition, um, you know, orchestral composition, there are writing exercises like that. You know, if you were to go get a composition degree, like you'd have to write all kinds of stuff with really difficult constraints. And, um, and none of that is intended to be like the actual music. It's just, just exercises. So I've noticed, um, that when I do that, what you just said, like, these are the constraints, what I come out with isn't it's almost never good enough to like use for anything but i feel like it it like grows my creative muscle and then after that like over the next week or something i'll be able to creatively just come up with shit that has nothing to do with that so i feel like it's a it's like a good exercise for stimulating creativity and for getting better at writing but not for actually writing, if that makes sense. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you actually reminded me of a thing that I, I use as a warm-up right now that came from one of those times, one of those constrained times. I was going to – I can't even remember because this is this would be over 10 years ago when I, when I wrote it, but it's just a, a little – it turned into a finger exercise, and I still use it to this day to warm up. It's never going to make it in a song. I don't. I don't think. I don't know that I'd even want it to. But it was. It came from like I'm going to write a riff that sounds like this. Is going to do this. Of course, I didn't do it, but I came up with that that I do use to practice. You know. Yeah. It, so it, yeah, I mean, it's it's helpful. It's helpful. It's not. It's maybe not going to get your your song out that you initially wanted, but of course, it's helpful. Yeah. It's good. Good to know the difference, though. I think. Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. I uh, I've noticed where I think a lot of people go wrong is in not um, in not being critical enough of their own work and not uh, like not being able to say yeah, kind of I'm trying too hard or like this sounds like a writing exercise fuck it let's do something else or whatever and yeah I, I've noticed this a lot it was like riff hard students or when I was producing local bands that it's almost like the first thing they write, it's like in chronological order. Like say they sit down to write and then they write the first part and then the second part and the third part. And because that's the order they wrote it in, that's the order of the song. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like sometimes when I'm writing, it's not till like three riffs in that like, shit gets good and then it's like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. wrap the first tune yep so i'm curious with both of you how long does it take you to warm up creatively into writing uh it varies for me i mean 
some days I'm just practicing and then I'll fuck up or just start like and be like I'll play a song or else do something and then while I'm either waiting for something if I'm playing the set or practicing the set and we have like a sample when I'm waiting I'll just noodle around and then sometimes noodling with I'm like I'm noodling with whatever the next riff or something's gonna be and I'm playing with those notes and then sometimes I'll just stop the song and then keep going so sometimes it just happens right away or I like I can just okay. Well, I'm just going to focus on nothing, and then all of a sudden, boom! And then sometimes, like you said, I'll write a riff or I'll do something, and then I'll be like, "That's cool." And I'll do the drums, and then I'll do the next part, and then then like the third or fourth riff I come up with, or something happens where I'm like, "Oh, this is cooler than all of that," and then I start rearranging, and then I'm kind of like, "That's when I'm starting to get into that mode when." I find something cool and then my my brain's going, oh, you could do this and you could put that there. And what if you did this? And like when my brain, I feel my brain just start throwing out ideas and this one little stupid thing is just making my brain go nuts for shit. Then like, then I'm in the zone and sometimes that can take, you know, half hour, 10 minutes, you know, it kind of varies. Sometimes, yeah, like I said, I'll snap right into it. And sometimes it takes a little bit. Do you always get there though? No, <laughs> fuck no. Sometimes it's like, yeah, like I'll go in with no constraints. Like I'm just going to write something or I'm just going to put this down and see what happens. And then sometimes if I go, well, okay, this is what I want next. Sometimes when I tell myself, you got to write, you need to write that. And then sometimes that happens. And then the thing I make myself do comes out cooler. And then we start rearranging from there. Mm-hmm. Do you ever do you ever just come out with nothing? Yeah, I've spent uh, like two hours once trying to put shit together, and then I just deleted it all. Because after, yeah. after at the end of it, I was like, none of this sounds cool. This is all boring, and everything that sounded awesome ten minutes ago sounds like garbage now. And reworking it and changing it isn't happening. So let's just throw it away. Feels good. I think that. Yeah, that in itself is a good exercise, not only for like your mental health, uh, but just to know when you can just you can do better than this, and just throwing it away is and, I, and I, it's helped me a lot. I think knowing, like, being conscious of when you're hitting that wall to know when to stop, so you're not tiring your brain out in a way. I mean, like, I think the more you try and make something happen, the less you're going to want to make it happen. And then you're just going to end up, I mean, it's good to, yeah, like be able to just go, ah, I don't throw it away, whatever. But then to sit there for four hours and throw everything away, like it's being conscious of when you're like, all right, I'm not making any progress. It's time to, let's just take a break or let's stop for the day. You know, knowing when, when you're hitting that wall is a good thing too. That's a tough one for me, but I would try to be better about it. It's because like there's this voice in my head that's like, well, if you just keep going, you'll get there. Mm-hmm. You just keep yep. you just keep going, like you know, like because it's happened before. So you know, it's happened before that like shit is sucking. It's been hours, and then you know the the one thing happens, the one idea, the spark, and then boom, like 
the song shows up, but then lots of other times where it never happens. And um, it's hard to know the difference between I should keep going. I should keep like, I'm going to get somewhere with this versus this is pointless. Like brain is not into this today. Like be better off just practicing guitar or something. Yeah. I think also those times when you are hitting that wall, but you keep going, there's something in your brain going, no, we have, we have an idea here. We have something here today. Let's just keep going. We'll find it. And then there's other days where it's just kind of like you keep trying new things and you're hitting that wall over and over. And it's like, that's either break time or quit time. <laughs> Usually for me, it's break time. Like if I'm hitting those walls, I'm like, all right, let's just, I'm going to go refill the water. I'm going to make some tea, a flavored drink. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pack a new bowl. Like let's let's kind of refresh here mm-hmm. and like like you know hit the F5 and refresh the web page and let's get all these images reloaded and let's like kind of like look at everything again. And sometimes I won't delete it. I'll just like switch over and watch some buddy stream a video game or something. Just kind of like leave that space for a minute and then try and come back. What about for you, Neil? I'm a I'm kind of the opposite. I just control Z. Undo that thing, baby. <laughs> if it's no good let's get rid of it uh i mean I, I spend enough time like i don't know just trying to get to get the right idea out if it's not working it's not working how long me. do you give yourself before you know like what i realize that it's gonna vary so sure. with understanding uh, no more than like right right um with all things considered no no more than like an hour hour and a half for me it's pretty quick um I also try to keep enough, you know, enough backlog to where if that's not working, well, then maybe I listen to my notes on my phone and see if there's something else that is really piquing my interest today. You know, if what I was going to do isn't working out, um, that, that obviously helps if you have nothing else then yeah, that's kind of a bummer, but yeah, I don't give it much time. So it sounds to me like momentum is really important to you and you don't let yourself stop the momentum yeah yeah i've I've really looked at it like that but yeah i i know i do kind of go in um in little groups of writing to where like say i'll have these two weeks off it's feeling a little productive so i kind of go with it and i'll look through my notes on my phone whatever just to kind of keep it going if today was good maybe tomorrow will be better keep doing it i also take time that it's hey i've i've spent an hour today nothing was that cool so I practice a little and then just let it be for that day. Try it again the next day. Maybe the same happens. I'm like, all right, well, maybe this week's not it, you know? Um, then, you know, I also do like session work and other writing on the, on the, on the side and that kind of stuff can preoccupy me, but also keep my chops up, you know? Yeah. Um, so that helps. How important do you think it is to keep the writing chops up? Like how long, how long does it take you? Like, say you finished a record, you're starting the tour cycle, so you're going to be gone, like, even one tour, like, or or multiple, but you're not in writing mode. You're in tour mode. You're in playing mode, promotion mode. Um, yeah. How long does it take before, uh, you know, when you get back to writing, how long does it take before the idea start getting good? Is it like an immediate thing or does it take a while to kind of get the engine going? For me, it, 
I almost always have another like five or six songs ready to go by the time the first tour of a cycle, like say the record is done, but now we're about to go tour. For instance, right now, like we have the record done, it'll be out uh, October 6th and tours right after that. But I've already got five music beds done and waiting for the next thing. And I think that's kind of leftover creativity from the previous record. But up until we really get back on the road for like a certain demanding amount of time, I think I'll still be kind of in writing mode and let that stay there, you know, ride the wave as long as I can, you know, at least. But like afterwards, like say when you do have to get out of After all that tour. Yeah, like say you are out of writing mode. Like say, like in general, just if you haven't written for a while, how long does it take for you to like get to the good ideas? Um, I, I would say, it, again, not that long. I, I don't ever feel like I'm really out of writing mode. Like I'm always a riff here, a riff there, mm-hmm. something. And of course, if I haven't done it for months and I'm sitting down, I'm like, all right, now is the time for a new record or at least the time to be thinking about new material. Uh, I'll, I'll spend a couple of days on a couple ideas and, um, not to discount what I said about if I can't get anything in an hour and a half, I'm done. But of course you need like a little ramp up time to like, maybe this isn't my best riff, but if I keep just working on this song, I think it's good. Maybe the really good one will come on Wednesday, you know, yeah. or something like that. I think it's good to keep working. If you think it's good, you know, like don't just stop when yeah. you got something good. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you, Corey? Uh, I'm always in writing mode, uh, but that comes from Scott. Because he's, I mean, like, album's not out. We got, well, like, another month, well, less than a month. Well, two weeks, or two weeks or so. And uh, he texted me. He's like, hey, make a little video, one of the new riffs from this, the new song we have out right now. And then I was like, cool. And then he's like, eh, start making riffs again. And I'm just like, okay. It's like he's, he's, he's always on it. Like, as soon as everything's done, he doesn't give us a moment to... I mean, he does. Like, it's not like, hey, start writing right now. God damn it, you need to write. He's just like, hey, you know, start thinking about the next album. Because, I mean, we take a year and a half or whatever to compile and arrange and do all the stuff. So it's like the more often we have stuff coming in, the better. So my favorite thing is that I come up with a lot of my best, like, intro riffs or just cool things like some of my coolest things that drive a lot of other stuff when i get home is stuff that i come up with on like during sound check because we we I mean oh, we yeah. have the kempers and oh. cabs and stuff like we we're me and neil are set up before everybody else and if we want we can sit there and fucking noodle for an hour while sean sets the drums up and the mics get placed and all that shit so it's like like uh actually i don't remember it's the name current of the single, song main riff right yeah, da, 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 yeah. So yeah, from the newest single, the new the first riff, it's literally the same notes as the song Hell Chose Me. But Scott was like, Hey, we need like a Hell Chose Me kind of sound riff, but like <laughs> let's you know, slower. Like this is literally what he said to me at a show. And then I was like, So the same thing, just kind of different. And he's like, Yeah, just same idea but slower. So now we have this riff that opens our new song that's literally the same exact riff as Hell Chose Me. I just play it different. And it came about during a sound check because I had an idea put in my head and I started fucking off. And then 15 minutes later, there we, there we are. So like, I'm always trying to think, like if I'm noodling off, 
let's play you know some notes or frets or something that sounds cool to me and sometimes an idea will just happen so i'll just play it over and over again to cement it in my mind and then when we get home i lay it down and then see what else comes from it you know i've i've noticed or i've just seen um from certain certain students i've just heard this that writer's block really fucks with a lot of people it doesn't fuck with me but um but i've seen some people say i just don't know how like i always get like one or two riffs and then i just don't know where to go next or like i can't finish anything and my thoughts are always like well if you don't know where to go next um maybe write something else or uh, or how long have you worked on it or how many different variations have you tried? Like how much are you trying um, and how much versus how much are you just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again? Like how hard are you actually trying to find that next idea and to do, to do something different, which is impossible to know if you're not with the person. But that said, I'm wondering do either of you ever get the block? It doesn't sound like you really do. It sounds like, or if you do, you have methods to get around it pretty quickly. It doesn't, uh, I, I, I don't really care if I do. Of course, of course I get times where I can't, I'm feeling uncreative. I can't write something. Of course, everybody does. But it doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much. I don't think, I mean, that might be a question for my wife to see if I'm like secretly <laughs> yelling at myself and I don't know, but. I don't think it bothers me too much. Um, yeah, I, I would say there's a, a, some other some advice towards that. If you only can get to two to three riffs and you can't do anything else, is collaboration can always help. Yes. There's always someone else out there that also has two or three riffs that can't quite get it together. Maybe they're in the same key. Maybe not. Maybe that's where the magic is. It's getting to the key. You know, like that. There's so many times where like in in this band and a couple bands in the past, the way that I mainly write is I'll, I'll send a complete four and a half minute song with all but vocals unless asked to do vocals. And I will that, but Scott's fine in that area. Um, and, but the point is not for me to get that, that that song is complete at four and a half minutes. The point is that that's how I write. It then goes to, goes to Corey, goes to Sean, goes to Fred. Hey, what parts of the, are these are really good? What's a keeper? What's not? Should this be faster? Should this not? Um, it, it's something that I've, I've found people got intimidated in the past with it. Fortunately, no one in Carnifex is, but I send this full song and it's not to say, here's the song we're doing this. It's to say, what is, what of this is good to you? Cause it's all cool to me. Um, yeah, and I'm in, in a way, way that is, that is, well, there's maybe two or three riffs in this mm -hmm. eight riff song, Neil, that we like. So we're going to do that. Um, so in a way that happens to me too. Um, but I, I think you should never discount uh, if you're lucky enough to have collaborators, to have people that want to write with you. You should never discount that. Even even if you think the idea is dumb, it's worth a playthrough. It's worth a try. You never know. It could it could sound sick. It could be the next Inner Sandman. You never you never know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a, I think a collaborative effort is much better, especially if you're in a band situation where it's not this guy and his band it's this band which is the people that make up the band it's 
no band is any one person. It's all, you know, Carnifex isn't Scott. Carnifex isn't Neil. Carnifex isn't me. Carnifex is the five of us. So the music should reflect that. And I think for me, some of my favorite bands that have been the same members or close to the same members for their whole career and been around for decades, they're all collaborative efforts. I mean, they're just people that get together and write music together because that's how they started and why should that change? And I think finding the best of what everyone has brought to the table and putting that together is the best way to put music together. If somebody has a band and they write everything, that's fine. I'm not like saying that's a bad way to do anything, but if you have a band of five people that are all capable of writing music and have ideas, then nobody should be shut down and nobody should be like, this is how I wrote it and this is how it has to be. If somebody has another idea, everybody should be heard out and then the collaborative group should decide together, we all like this mm -hmm. this way and that's where you get your best product because no one person decides how cool your band is. It's a social collection of fans that tell you, hey, your band is sick, but everybody likes your band for a different reason. Some people like the riffs. Some people like the lyrics. Some people like the drums. Some people like this or that. You know, and it's like you have to keep that in mind when you're writing with a group of dudes that no one person likes one thing. So the more people you have in your band putting music and ideas together, the more people are going to like it because you have more ears putting uh, you know, entertainment together that whereas one person might write something like this, so there's going to be parts that other people or that just don't gel with everybody. Whereas if you took those parts that are a little less good and have them reworked or other ideas put into them, they, the song could be great and it can be greater with a better, with more input. You know, that's a great idea. Find if, if you don't have collaborators find collaborators it, my shit's always better with collaborators it always has been like i'm okay at writing on my own but i'm way better when i'm collaborating with with good people like yeah yeah i feel the same about myself yeah right doesn't it does it like unlock uh, do you feel like it unlocks like this next level of your creativity or level of ideas yeah well yeah of course like i i get i i say i have a riff i really like i'm used to this tempo i think this tempo is the best and then sean takes it maybe simplifies one there's not one little crazy thing in it but it's 20 bpm faster and all of a sudden i'm like i would have never have thought of that it's not a huge change it's still my riff but if it were just me it just would have been uh oh, yeah it's pretty cool but just having the that and that's just one instance of one other person. Imagine if you had more people, you know, it's it's great. It's always it's always better that way, I think. Yeah. You know, I feel like when I hear about this writer's block situation with those with you know, with bedroom operators and stuff, um, my thoughts are often like, first of all, yes, do you have collaborators too? Uh how married do you get to your own ideas like how much negative like 
weird shit do you have surrounding your ideas? Because like, for instance, yeah. two things that you guys just said that I think are really, really important are you don't let not having good ideas one day bother you. And same here. Like if it's not happening one day, it's not a big deal. It's like, that's just part of it. Like maybe it'll happen later that day. Maybe not, maybe not even that week, but not the end of the world. Cause it's going to try again and have the confidence that something good is going to happen. And I think if you've done it enough, you kind of know too, that like, if you're, if you do it enough, over a period of days or weeks, you're going to get to something good. Like it's going to happen. So it's done it before you can do it again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I I feel like when I hear about this, uh, people getting really down on themselves, I think, uh, I think they're wrapping too much. There's like too much wrapped up with it, like too much negativity um, and too many weird expectations and not enough, uh, not enough positive influence from other people. Um, you need to let go and just accept that some shit you write is going to suck, and that um, having other people involved will make it better. Generally, yeah, and you can't sure. always think that you're going to be on. I mean, so many people, especially with people that are home a lot, and they either choose to or want to, whatever. Then they write a lot in their bedrooms, and they do a lot of videos, and that's what they do. Like. You think like you're in there all the time trying to think about stuff. Your brain's not always going to have like the magical idea every day. Like no. you have to have other things too to allow your brain to relax. It can't just be, all right, I'm going to wake up and make beats all day and then go to bed and wake up and make beats all day and go to bed. Like you're going to get burnt out. Whether you notice it or not, it's going to happen. And when you're not able to think of it, and that's your brain going, let's fucking take a break for a minute here. Let's step back, do something else for one day. Just. If it's not working, just uh, let it go. Fucking go play video games. Go whatever else you like to do. Fucking take a day and do it. Just get away because when you come back fresh, you're not going to be thinking about everything else that you have written yesterday and all the stuff you've been working on all week. Like There's a possibility you can come back and not think about that at all and not even think about the writer's block. You just come back fresh and just like, ah, oh, new idea. Let's just fucking, all right, blank slate. Let's fucking, bleh. and then you're right back on it. You just said something really key that I want to focus in on, new idea. So that's another thing where, another way that I think people go very wrong is not being, not being quick enough about like just moving on to a new idea and not coming up with enough new ideas. So I, I feel like, um, if you don't write that much, every idea you have is going to matter that much more. So like say you have a band where one person writes 50 songs for an album or like 50, you know, 50 ideas for the album, whereas this other person wrote three riffs. Um, the person who came in with like the 50 ideas, probably half or more are going to get cut and that's fine. So, but like, you know, you're talking about 30 ideas or so are getting cut. Whereas the person who brings in the three riffs, well, if you cut half or more, they're going to end up with one riff on the record. And there's much more of a psychological, if you got ego in the equation, you're cutting out, like, they're ending up with one riff 
on the thing. And that one riff right. and those other two riffs that you cut mean so much more to them. And that's a problem. That's a real problem because you get people who get blinded by by their ego. Um, whereas if they just wrote more, first of all, the importance of every part would go down and it would be easier to just say, okay, this sucks. Let's do something new. Okay, this sucks. Let's just do something new. This sucks. Something new. Okay, this is cool. All right, we'll develop that um, and just keep on making more and making more. And I think, uh, I think when people get stuck on like, I can only do two riffs, it's like, well, maybe you care about those riffs a little too much. Why don't you just like write something else <laughs> and yeah, then something so. else and then something else? That's mm-hmm. that's where the collaborative thing comes in too. Like that's what's great about the, this situation with Carnifex is that if I can, if I can only come up with two riffs and they're fucking awesome, but I can't really think of anything else, I can just put those two riffs in our collective riff bank, and Sean can write. You know, Neil can write. Fred can even write. Scott writes with his head. I mean, Scott can play guitar a little, but he hears a lot of riffs in his head. So there's some really old tracks of ours that like a couple of breakdowns that Scott actually wrote in his head. And then he was like, Hey, so after this part we have like a sample and then I want like a breakdown that, that kind of goes like this. And then he just hums it and then we make it up. And so he, you know, I forget what fucking song it was now, but there's some ending breakdown on a song that it should go. Duh, 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 and he like, just, and then you can tell by the pitch of his voice. So you want it to go up a fret and whatever. So like he would explain it. And then Sean and I kind of worked it out. And then we have this sick breakdown. And then I'm like, oh, what if we play it like this and then like that? So you have one breakdown with different variations. And it was comprised or made up of from three people. And that's like, that's the cool thing is that if you do hit a wall in a collaborative situation, you go, well, here's two fucking sick riffs. I don't really know what to do with them. Guarantee you the other two or three people will definitely have an idea. And then you have a song. Tell me about this riff bank. Is it is a is that like a philosophical thing or do you actually have like a riff bank? Now we have a we have a bank. So we have the Dropbox and then we have like a a file and then there's like a file with like the stuff, all the songs and things that Neil wrote, and then there's a file with stuff that I wrote. And then file is in as like, in like a like a DAW session, or like no, a it's just like uh, what we I'll do for down. Sean. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Said so I'll, bounce them down. Yeah, so I'll do like to get my idea and what I'm hearing in my head and what I feel across. I'll program some simple drums and then put some bass if I have an easy idea for it, so that you have like a whole thing but then i also just send the guitars and then sean can make the drums mm-hmm. and then they can also connect other guitars and what i do is i i track the the di and then a wet so sean can take the di and put it in and that way the tone he's using to comprise the riffs on his end he can throw my riffs into any song and it'll be the same tone because he has the uh, the di so <clears throat> so that's kind of how we do it we have our folders in dropbox and we just if you have a whole song you put it in there if you have a couple riffs you put it in there then you let everybody know, hey, I got some riffs, check them out. And then people listen. And, and that's kind of just how we've always done it. Just now we have the technology to actually do that. Whereas before, I'd have to write a bunch of riffs down, then go over to Sean's, and then play them all for him, and then track it with him. <laughs> but now we can actually do that shit, which is super helpful. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. Because uh, first of all, I'm very fascinated by 
um, how how multiple writers in a band coordinate this stuff and organize this stuff just because I have multiple writers in my band, but I also know that um, lots of the listeners are always trying to get better at, at this um, particular thing. So a few questions I have are, do you have a naming scheme for what you put in the, in the folder? Uh, I don't, I mean, What's that? You mean does each song have a have a name? Is that what no, you're like or? a naming like a naming scheme, like for instance, name slash BPM slash date or something, or like it, or is it just idea one? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I, all my stuff just says it will say like NF, NFT CFX, whatever record we're doing, which for me it would be two will be the next one, right? And then I do the date and BPM at the end. Okay, so all that's how I do all, everything. All the information you need basically is in yeah. the title. Yes. Yeah. I used to just I, I have a weird thing where I when we were writing back in the day before we had money for computers and we didn't have any things, we would name the riffs so we could remember them and like, okay, what riff is next? Oh, whale in a box or whatever. Something stupid. So I, I've adopted that. I'm not doing it now because Sean asked me to stop. He just asked me to number. He, he's like, can you just number it? Because I don't really know where I'm at sometimes. But yeah, so. You're a whale on a the, box, dude. Yeah, yeah, some stupid fucking name. You know, let's get You're fucked up. Yeah, let's get Sproingy, uh, blah, 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 BPM, something, whatever. But yeah, now I'm just going to start numbering. But yeah, we just kind of number it and then put the BPM. And then that way Sean knows. But it's kind of like. Uh, like Neil and I will we'll, we'll write whole songs or whatever but I, I look at it as like you write a whole song or not it's a collaborative thing so your stuff's going to get torn apart some riffs mm-hmm. are thrown out whatever and that's fine I don't care Uh, but the cool thing is it's kind of like all of us just produce riffs and shit and then Sean and Scott sit down together usually and then Scott's sort of like our in-house band producer in a way since he doesn't usually have like riffs or music like but he has a great ear for like and good ideas for how to put stuff together and shit so sean will start arranging and arranging then stuff, kinda, yeah and then scott will be like oh what if we did this here and that there so sean will kind of put that stuff in and then create some things and then we'll have like a song budding and then that'll go back into the dropbox and then we all listen to it and go oh i have an idea for this i have an idea for that i'll track it and send it over and then we start just kind of it just ends up like a puzzle. So all the riffs are pieces and we're just trying to move them around until we're all happy. Once everybody says, I like how this is, then we have a song. So Sean, ha- it kind of, if he's the, basically the, 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 the band arranger producer. So he's a music director with, it, it's not like a paid role in this band as far as I know. So it's, yeah, as far as no. I know. it's unofficial, but he's like the yeah, music director. I feel like of the band. in modern bands, there's always, there has to be one person and maybe, you know, maybe more than one, but like at least one who is like the person who's operating the DAW for the pre-pro where yeah. like, it's kind of the hub for everything because otherwise it's just so disorganized and so tough. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. then you're, it's going to be up to the producer producer to like figure out what the hell's going on. And, but uh, 
Okay, so Sean is the person in the band who is kind of has the master session. Um, when you guys are okay, so say you have sent in ideas, he's like started to piece it together. You've got like a version one of a song, like you know, it's actually not just riffs at this point. It's like, all right, we've got a song starting to happen. Um, at that point, are are, do you get like a session from him that you can work with or like, how do you make sure that your ideas that you work on for that song from that point forward, like you don't get versioning errors that you're, um, that you're working on the right stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause if like, like say everyone has a DAW and it's like, okay, so we have this version of this song and then this person's working in their DAW on the song. And then this other person's working in their DAW on the song. And, uh, like, I have, I'm asking because I've been in the studio before with bands that try to do this and they're totally fucking disorganized. And then you end up with like the lead guitar players writing a solo in the same spot where the vocalist is writing some five part harmony. <laughs> and they, which happened on this yeah, record. Exa th exactly. Exactly. So, that how do you happen. prevent? Like, how do you, so how do you guys work around this kind of stuff? The, so at least from, from my perspective, the way that this has happened for me is say I, I send in my riffs, it starts getting put together. Like we're actually getting a song, like you're saying, we're getting to there. Sean will then start a new Dropbox that is just like, this is the working version of this song. Mm -hmm. uh, and then say there's a part that. Like, I just really don't like this one riff. Say, uh, like, Corey's just sending this shit riff, and I don't want it. Uh, then, like, I say, <laughs> then I'd be like, I don't like this riff. Like, maybe here's an idea for it, or what else you got? And Sean is um, is is really the one to hold the ball there, to where he then goes and switches it, switches it out in his in his dog. I don't even know what he uses. I like I use Pro Tools. I don't think Corey uses Pro Tools. I don't think oh, uh, Sean's Cubase, on Pro Tools either. Cubase and Sean's and Freddie's is Reaper still. Yeah, so I mean, we're all Fred. on different. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's like he's dogs. like I was talking to him. He's like I'm learning how to do video editing in it. I'm like, dude, just get Cubase like the rest of us. Reaper is so old and Cubase's elements is cheap. He's like, no, no, I know how to use Reaper. Still evaluating. All right, guy. All right, okay. man. <laughs> Yeah, so ultimately the, job the ball is still in uh, in in Sean's court, and that he then goes in, puts in a new idea, and then replaces the old mm -hmm. the old with the new and the new Dropbox. There, there are normally several Dropboxes going. Um, one being the kind of master; these are the songs as they're going to be recorded until someone says otherwise, and that that's what gets replaced if if there's a riff Got it. that someone doesn't like. Okay, so let's talk. You, sorry, go ahead. And I know, yeah, usually I know Sean, because like, usually a song that ends up being the song will, like, we've taken to adopting a little bit of, like, the pop song arrangement thing. So we kind of, we used to just do, like, the poison the well thing, as I call it, where you just write a riff and then the next riff and the next riff and the next riff, and nothing repeats. And even though you still have a bridge and, like, a verse and stuff, but... If you listen to like old Poison the Well shit, nothing repeats. They're all, it's a new riff. Every single mm -hmm. part is a new riff. So the old Carnifex, that's what we were doing. And then we were like, 
because we're always trying to like add stuff and change and, and innovate well, not innovate, but uh, I guess grow and, and, you know, just not every album be exactly the same. You know, we always yeah. want to try and incorporate something new. So uh, the last what, five records we've taken to repeating things, which we not, we didn't used to do back in the day. So uh, now I know because of repeating things that there are riffs that maybe everyone or Sean and Scott like, but this riff was better. So Sean definitely keeps all the old stuff that we're not using at the moment. So like what Neil said, if we if somebody's like, I don't really like this here or how this goes, Sean has other riffs that he likes that maybe Scott was like, oh, let's not use that one. It's cool, but let's not use it. If this riff isn't working for everybody, we'll switch in one of those other ones. And then somebody maybe hasn't heard it in that context, and then that'll give them a new idea. Yeah. So, so we too. definitely yeah. have that going on, which is good. So that's what I mean. Like back to the the Dropbox thing of the Riff Bank, is we literally have a bank of stuff, and it's still there. It's always there. All the stuff that I wrote that didn't get used, all the stuff Neil wrote that didn't get used, it's all still in the Dropbox. And I still have sessions with those riffs. So it's possible that a, just like before, where I wrote a riff for say like Disease and the Poison or something, like two albums later, that riff comes back. We end up using it because it fits into the context mm -hmm. of something else we're writing where it didn't fit before. So we definitely keep that stuff on hand. And then to speak to how we arrange all the songs and stuff, uh, like any of us could take the song that Sean's done because he usually does wave or MP3s, but you can just drop it in Cubase and start cutting it up and rearranging it if you want. But to keep it simple, most of us just, uh, we'll listen to the song and then we'll put it in the group chat like, Hey, the new song is cool, but at this time marker, let's say minute 23 to minute 48 or whatever, I'm not really into that bit. And then in, you can be like, I don't really have an idea yet. I just don't really like how it's gelling in my head. And then that can just go out and we'll discuss it and nobody freaks out and nobody has a thing. It's just like, all right, somebody's not really into it. Let's see if we can make it better. Does anybody have an ideas? You know, and it's like, it's just, that's, yeah, that's kind of how we roll that shit. Do you ever have a situation where you have a vision for a part, but the demo version is not quite representing it? And so someone doesn't quite time. like it the way it is, but it's one of those like, kind of got to trust me because this is not what it's going to be like. Like, how how does that conversation go when, like, because, you know, if, if you got to hold your, or if someone doesn't like something, do you immediately just drop it or like say that, yeah, the demo is not representative of where you know it's going to be with a little bit more development. Like what's the process of like holding ground on something versus being like, okay, scrap it. We'll put something else. I mean, that shit used to be an argument. <laughs> it used to just be like, oh, you're changing that? No way, dude. I like it this way. It needs to stay that way. And this guy agrees with me. That's... <laughs> And you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, I used. Yeah, I mean, wrong. that's kind of like it used to be arguments. I mean, me and Sean back in the day were like, you know, we have our ideas, we have a way things go, and then when you write it down, you're like, man, that's so fucking sick. And you do get a little attached to some things. You're like, man, that's that's cool, and you worked on it. Maybe you didn't work on it for hours, but you worked on it, and it's kind of like your little baby. And you're just like, sometimes you think, man, this sounds so fucking awesome. These dudes are gonna love this, and then you give it to them. And they take like a little tiny piece of it and go, that little part was fucking awesome. We're going to put that in the song and the rest of it's gone. 
And now you just kind of have to go, well, if I'm the only one that likes it that way, then I'm wrong. Yep. And you just got to, you just, just brush it off and you let it go because you look at the big picture is like, yeah, you think it's fucking rad because you wrote it and maybe it is rad, but when four other people are hearing it and you're all in the same mindset and you're all in the same band and four people hear it and go, yeah, it was cool, but this part was the coolest and the rest of it was, nah. so we're just going to work around this sick piece. Do you have anything else? You just kind of have to work with that. I, th- I think because that's a you're great not going to get anywhere going. This is it has to be that way. Like you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to piss everyone off. And then the the reverse action is that no more times than not, we'll just throw the whole fucking thing away. If you're going to be like that about it, we'll just get rid of it, and then the problem's gone. Now you don't have anything to bitch about. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it is a good thing though. Like to you know, it. I think it's important that you trust the people you work with, right? If you trust their tastes and you trust them musically, then if all of them are saying, Hey, this part eh, about this part, then I think, I think it's a lot easier to say, okay, maybe I'm wrong and they're right. If you don't trust them musically, then it's a lot harder to accept that. I think. Yeah. I've I've been in both the scenarios you just talked about. It it is in, in Carnifex. I trust everybody. Like I even I could just take Corey for instance. If I sent something to Corey, Corey's like, yeah, I trust him enough to where my <laughs> ego is not going to be like, no, listen again. But did you hear the thing I did? <laughs> like, no, I pay attention like, okay, at this not good because I and, I do trust him that much, you know. And and, and, and you that gotta goes realize everybody. that nobody is cutting your shit because they don't like you or they're trying to fucking backstory yeah. or anything like there's never a situation where oh look at i'm gonna cut this dude's riff and he's gonna fucking hate it like, no, <laughs> we're gonna really like, piss off fred with this one yeah we'll like we're cutting it because it's not gelling with everybody yeah. and that means it's probably not going to gel with other people too and you know at, you're writing the music for yourself but also like people you want people to like it you want people to and be enjoying it and entertained by it and if four people tell one dude, hey, this is boring, then it's probably fucking boring. Yes. No offense to anybody. Yeah. Nobody's, you know, and some people probably are like that where they're just like, they don't really like the riff. So, yeah, fuck you. This riff sucks. And you're going to be a dick about it. But we all love each other and nobody's here to be like to cut a riff or piss anyone off because, oh, well, this guy's bumming me out this week. I'm going to fucking throw his riff away. Like, that's no that's way crazy. Work. You're not. I, I'm so happy that it's not the situation. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love that not only can I let go of that shit, but everybody else can too, where if somebody makes a change because the majority of the group says, hey, this is better, it's, 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 it's better. Just go with it, learn it, accept it, see it, try to see it the way they see it. And if you can't, then you can't, but you, know, you have to kind of go with more people like it this way than not. I just had that happen with the... Uh, the track sequence on the new Doth record where I had it in my head that there's a certain or opener. Like it just yeah. in my head, it made sense. And her vocalist just didn't see that. And I was like, I'm right. Sean's just the yeah, problem. Yeah, Sean, the well, I was like, yeah, Sean, you're, you're wrong. Um, but, <laughs> but like he was holding ground. So he was like, ask the other guys, let's make a poll. Um, and uh, and it turned out that it was five against one me like I like they wow. all 
they didn't like Sean's order, but they definitely didn't like my order. So it was like, <laughs> and at first I felt that feeling of like, you're all wrong. And then it's like, wait a second. These, these dudes are fucking awesome. Like, I love these guys. And like, here's some of my favorite musicians on earth. Like, maybe I should just listen to them. Like, yeah. like forget yeah. my idea of the album order. Let's come up with a new one. And like, it's okay. But only because yeah, I do feel that way about them. It's also definitely yeah. okay to be like, yeah, I'm fine with changing it. I still think I prefer it the other way. You know, you can voice like, this is how I feel about it but you can't start an argument about it. It has to just be like, you know, I like to voice that like, okay, you know, I'm, let's change it. Let's fucking see if we can have something cool, new, different, better. But I'm still going to say I like it this way. So if it doesn't work out, can we try it this way and maybe add to it, blah, blah, blah. And if it doesn't work out, then we go back and try it. And if that doesn't work out, then you scrap it, you whatever, you just move on. But eventually, if you're able to let go of that shit and work with everybody, the end product is going to be better anyways. Yeah. And that, that even overlaps into other parts of the business, like touring. Corey, if you remember, we were talking about some tour plans for next year. Uh, and I disagreed with what we wanted to do, but everybody else voted yay for it. So, okay, yeah. well, you know, if everybody else thinks this is the decision, then this is the decision. And I, I of course, was like, well, I want to go on record saying that I, I disagree yeah, but of course I'm doing this because we're deciding and we're a collective business, you know. And there was also um, the moment where I believe me or Fred or somebody like we agreed with you. Like I was actually on board with you know let's wait and try to do the other thing, but at the same time, like the safer move, the wiser move, I guess the more business wise move, whatever it is, is to go with what we get went with, which. You know, I could have went either way. Like, I would like how, to how vague can we be right now? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just with, you know, we can't say shit. But there's a thing. But yeah, I mean, no. While I agree I know with the, you, I know the situation. I think the better though. idea was what yeah. we went with for sure. You know, and I would have rather handle it the other way. But we got to do what's best for the business as yeah. well as you know everything else. But yeah, it's, what's that? We got news. More vague news today that it might just be even better. So. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those yeah. things where like. You know, I what I said, I know the situation. I actually don't know yours. I just have been in this situation before where sure. it's yeah. like you have to make a decision. And at the end of the day, you don't actually know which one's the right decision with these nope. things. Like it's nope. all a crapshoot. And so people are going to have their opinions and everyone is trying to do the best thing for the project. So whether or not you guys are on the same page about that particular decision, um, again, it comes back to trusting the people you're with. Like, do you trust that their intentions are it for the good of the project? So, like, if you trust that their intentions are in the right place, then, you know, they're, they have the opinion they have for a reason. And then at the end of the day, you just, you know, just got to accept it and make a decision and just go with it because the, nobody actually knows if uh, yeah if if it's a good idea. And that's why we don't have any internal fights about anything like merch or logistic things or any of that because for pretty much since day one, I mean Scott kind of handles all that stuff and he'll hand out other tasks to people if you know he's busy or whatever. But for the most part, Scott does the merch. He, 
sets up buses and all the stuff and deals with all the people and emails and we all just trust him because we know that he's not there lining up shit to make him his life better he's trying to make the band's life better mm-hmm. he doesn't he's not there doing emails and calls so that Scott can get ahead he's doing it so Carnifex can get ahead so we all trust that business side music side that everybody has the band and the per- people's best interest and not even just the five of us our crew too i mean Sean's wife does our merch our good friend Mike does our lighting like they're our friends they're not just people that we found touring and went oh well this guy can work for us like they're people we love and care about so we trust that everybody's decision benefits all the people involved not just the band but everyone else too sounds like there's good communication all around oh yeah everybody kind of has their job and we all you know everybody there was never a meeting sitting down this guy does this this guy does that like Everybody participates. Everybody offers their time. Everybody offers assistance. Everybody, you know, if somebody's like, oh, I'm having trouble doing this, somebody leans, steps up, and I, I think I have an idea for this or that or whatever. And, you know, it's just, it just makes sense. And I think that's why we all get along is we all get it. We all see the same, you know, maybe we're not on the same page all the time, but we're all in the same chapter of the same book. That's got to be a relief for you, Neil, coming into the project that uh that stuff is uh worked out and that like that yeah. that it get that that's how the band operates. Well it's a really good yeah, yeah. too that Neil gets it and he's a sick dude and he's not there's no ego, there's no bullshit. Like I mean we, he's the fourth guy to play guitar with me in this band and I can tell you out of all of them, I mean everybody was immediately awesome and cool, but a few months later, you know, people start to change. And I don't think Neil came into this going, okay, I'm going to make sure these guys see me in this light and then I'll be who I am later. You know, Neil's just been Neil. And he's gelling with us real good. And the music that we came up with for this album together is amazing. And it's some of my favorite shit. So, I don't know. I think the four of us together plus Neil is just, this is awesome now. And I think this is the best formation of Carnifex we've ever had. No shit. No shit. No cap, as the kids say. Yeah. It uh <laughs> one thing I'm hip. One thing I've, you know, from my personal experience and then also just from you know, talking to so many people in this format. Um, you know, one thing is when you tour with a band, uh you tour with bands and like it's it's different than on the podcast, but one thing I've noticed through these podcasts and all that stuff is the thing that the successful bands have in common, like every single one I talk to, um, is they have their communication figured out and they don't have nightmare members. Um, like they may have had nightmare members, they may have come from bands where there was a nightmare member, like it, that might be in their past, but the ones that like keep going, uh, you don't really find nightmare members and you and their communication is worked out and evolved to the point where all the shit that's typically difficult for a band to communicate with each other about like i hate that riff or whatever um they have a they have figured out how to how to make it not a problem yeah 
I mean, these yeah. are important keys to longevity for sure. Yes. And it, it comes down to being able to talk to people properly and being able to listen. Like we've, we've had a couple people back in the past where if you tell them, you know, oh, during the set tonight, I noticed you were playing this thing wrong and they get a fucking attitude about it. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not attacking you. I just, look, we're all playing this one way and you're not. I'm just, can we just let's go over it? it? And like, let's have, yeah. you know, and then it becomes a fucking fight where last tour, Neil came up was like, hey, you're playing this thing on Drown Me in Blood wrong. And I'm like, I know what part it is. Let's go, you know, I pulled up the tab. We went over it and I corrected the problem. There was no fucking fight. There's no issue. It was like, I was fucking up, and I and I fucking fixed the fuck up, and we're good. It's fine. The 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 reverse of that, like from mine, is these dudes have been playing these songs for twenty years. I've now been at least touring with them since early twenty twenty, but I'm I'm the new guy playing these new to me very new songs relatively to them. So I want to know if I'm messing something up. You know, like I want mm-hmm. I, I want to be corrected because I again want the best thing for the band, not just the best thing for Neil. But that's really cool too, though, that you're able to come into the project as a new guy and all, and still be able to say, Hey, fucking up this part and not be, not feel weird about being able to say that. Cause you know, like in some bands, like people won't say shit if they're new because yeah, they're yeah. like the new guy and like, you're showing weakness. Yeah, and, and like, not, or like, maybe it's not my place, it out or blah, blah, blah. Stepping out of yeah. your line, bro. Yeah, like all that sure. dumb shit. <laughs> Fuck that shit, dude. It's just not going to make the best version of you or the band yeah. acting like that. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and bringing up a mess up is no problem because either someone messed up because they're playing it wrong or someone messed up because they just messed up. So you bring it up, hey, I heard you fucked this thing up. The person either goes, oh, yeah, I just, tonight I blew it. I'm good. Or they go, oh, well, maybe here's how I'm playing it. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. You know, you can either handle it like a grown-up or you can be a fucking baby about it and kick and scream and, and have a problem with someone telling you that you're not fucking perfect. It's like, like you know, I fuck up all the time. And I mean, a lot of times people don't fucking hear it. And I'll be like, man, I'm so bummed. I, I blew it. The whole set, I blew this song. It's a huge thing. And everybody goes, you did? And you just go, oh, well, fuck. I guess I didn't. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe I fucked up so smoothly that it's fine. You know. Or. That's all professional guitar is. Fuck it. <laughs> Try to fuck up as smoothly as you can. <laughs> sucking less. Getting better guitar is really just sucking less. Yeah. Yes. How close yeah. can you get that jazz note? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think it's a good place to end it. I want to thank you guys for coming on and congrats on the record release this is going to come out uh probably either right when it comes out or right before it but what i've heard the singles i've heard are fucking sick um thank you thanks i i love that you have kept on expanding the sound um it's uh sounds great sounds great i love the uh the arrangements and uh and yeah it's just great to see it's great to see you guys keeping on going neil it's great to see you in a sick project it's just thank you thank you glad to be here yeah it's awesome anytime